What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Cinema Enema Podcast, here to flush the shit out of your personal taste. Zach is here. I'm Aaron. This is the debut episode. Be fucking excited. That that intro was shit. Okay. I told Zach to be honest. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. It, it was fine. It was fine. See, I thought uh, this uh, this new podcast would be dying if we just like, oh, we don't even have an intro or shit or anything. We just fucking, there's no uh, opening theme. It, they just press play and right away we just fucking get right to it. They're, they'll be like, oh, their minds will be blown. They'll be like, I just press play and I'm already hearing what I want to hear. That's dog. So we'll preface everything by sort of talking about the concept here. See, way back when. Before we started strictly doing commentaries for the Behind the Mask podcast, that's where most of you guys are going to know us from. Now known as the BTM podcast. Now known as the BTM podcast. Uh, basically, we used to do more of a standard podcast format. Uh, we usually used to do long form. I'm not saying this is going to be super long form, but we would have a, a, a main topic, which was usually a film back in the day that we'd be talking about or reviewing or something. But before we got to that, we'd have a segment where we could actually talk about relevant stuff, new headlines, and and then every once in a while we'd have uh, you'd have the shoot the shit podcast where it's like uh, we're just gonna talk and see what happens. We'll talk about what we've been watching recently and stuff like that. Yeah, which you know going forward that could be part of the beginning segment, right? We don't really have it ironed out and how it's gonna work, but I think we're gonna start out playing it safe like that. Zach and I are going to talk about some uh, new stuff. Some, I've got some notations here, some stuff in the news that I've been wanting to address. This, these are things that we don't really get to talk about so much when we're you know, pretty much catering to a commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to do that, and then we'll get to the meat of our topic, which we decided the debut episode would be cool to discuss, Blade Runner. And that was a good idea. That was Zach's pitch because we've recently both discussed it on the commentaries. That was your pitch, liar. You fucking liar, too. Well, was it my pitch? Yeah, it was. Oh, what did you want to do? Mine was happiness. Oh, that's right. Zach wants to do happiness, which we're going to do. See, uh, that that was another reason I, w- I want to do this uh, show because uh, we do commentaries and sometimes we it's like, oh, he's never seen the movie and I don't want the first time he sees it to be us talking over it. So like, oh, this is my way of uh, like uh, I've been mentally taking notes uh, all the movies that Aaron hasn't seen, like The Omens and uh, the, the fucking uh, Eyes Wide Shut and stuff like that. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to fucking uh, unleash them. And he has to watch. So the idea, at least to start here, is, okay, we can make the topics films, like Zach just said. But I don't even necessarily want to limit to that. Maybe we'll, going forward, have an idea for a particular topic of something a little bit more broad. Maybe not just particularly a film, but a topic in general. And then we could shoot it out to you guys, the listeners, and let you know, hey, we're going to be talking about Blade Runner. Or, hey, we're going to be talking about a whole freaking decade. It could be like, hey, we're going to talk about 90s, this or whatever it is we want to talk about. And then maybe you guys could submit questions or comments or whatever you want. Even things about news bits. Doesn't even have to be about the meat of the topic of the episode. And then mm-hmm. we can use those questions and comments 
and uh, make them uh, designate the flow of the actual podcast and and sort of weave them through the episode and and make it part of the show. Unlike the commentaries, which are a little bit more of a free-for-all, we don't really do any research. We just sort of hit the ground running. I read comments at the very end of the episode. Um, It's a little bit more by the seat of our pants, where this one we can, you know, have everything a little bit more integrated. Uh, But yeah, so Blade Runner's great. So, and Zach also touched on another good reason, I think, to do these is, frankly, I missed enjoying movies, right? So sometimes we watch so many movies for the commentaries on the BTM podcast, I don't watch as many movies for leisure, (laughs) You know, I, I'm usually opting out for a television series or doing something else. Now, for example, this gives me an opportunity to sit down like I did today and just lay in bed and watch Blade Runner and mm-hmm. soak in a movie uh, and then actually not have to worry about a movie playing in front of us and talking about something uh, that's going on or just trying to stay entertaining and talking about some random stories. So we don't always stay on topic with the actual film and we focus on just being funny or whatever. And that works too for that. But if we've already watched the film and we're just having a discussion and it's not playing in front of our face, we can actually, I think, stay more focused on the topic. That's what I think. But Mm -hmm. anyway, we're going to enjoy it. So that's the, that's basically what the gist. But anyway, Zach, let's go ahead and get started. Any news you have uh, collected for us to talk about, baby? I got a couple. No, I, I've got some as well. Uh, some hot topics lately. The first thing I want to I want to discuss is they released the official Child's Play trailer for that remake. I got that too, baby. Okay, so let me tell you about this thing. When I watched it, I was left with a taste in my mouth that was awfully generic. By the numbers. It seemed like such a generic trailer, and the movie looked generic. It looked so sci-fi original movie to me. It didn't look very good. Um, Audrey Plaza's in it, which is kind of weird. Is this the movie she really wants to use as a vehicle to branch outside of comedy? I don't know. I don't really see her as a mom. Mm. But that's not really my nitpick. The movie just didn't look good. It looked very, very basic. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I did uh, be uh, automatically just like, oh, this is going to be shit. Uh, to me, it's just like, oh, at the best, this, uh, you know, this might be okay. See, I, I go to movies now, just like, oh, this movie, uh, it's gonna, it, it could be okay. Whatever. I never uh, assume it's going to be great. So it, it leaves some room uh, to uh, surprise me. But did you see the whole uh, Andy's too old uh, criticism controversy thing? Oh, too old? I I didn't really pay attention to that. How old did you look in the trailer? I could I don't recall. Um, I didn't even notice, but I noticed people talking about it. He looked uh, about what you'd expect. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you really think about it? I guess so. I mean, Andy Barkley in the first, uh, how old was he turning? What was his birthday in the first movie? Uh, he was young. He's probably like five. This guy, kid looks more like uh, nine or ten. Yeah. It's like, would yeah. he want a doll? That... That's a good point. Before you mentioned that, I was thinking it really doesn't matter how old he is personally. Uh, they could they, That's one of the things they could tweak in a movie like that, and it's just as applicable. But you're right. Is a kid at a certain age going to have a doll? Maybe. Are they going to try and do the thing where they're going to try and play him off as if he's younger then? And they want to get an older kid so he's a better actor? Because that never goes well. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's technically not a doll. It's kind of like a smart. Uh, it's like a robot, too, with this one, I guess. So maybe it's going to be more AI and it's going to appeal to an older person. 
you know, maybe it's going to do more things than just be a talking doll. Maybe you're right there. But I'm just hoping we don't have a repeat of New Nightmare where they cast a kid that's like 10 years old and they write dialogue for him as if he's three. Exactly. Mommy, blood. No, that'd be dog. That'd be the, that's the greatest movie ever made. And, uh, he's great. That's uh, fucking the kid that played Gage. That that's not, dude. What, Freddy? We're talking about Freddy, dude. Oh, it is Gage? Fuck yeah, you're right. So, so, but yeah, exactly. You, and you know that sometimes. Yeah, he's terrible. I'm just joking, by the way. No, but it's it's what they always do for teenagers, right? They get older twenty somethings to play teenagers because they're more experienced and they're better actors. Uh-huh. I mean, that's what I assume that they're doing. Uh, probably also too for legal rights to laws and, and work rights and laws. You know, kids whatever labor shit mm-hmm. probably but anyway i don't remember when that comes out but i can't say i'm too excited about it am i gonna see it i'll probably see it you know mm-hmm. i probably of course i will i want to put a fair stamp on it which that sucks though when you have movies that are admittedly polarizing it's like i don't support them remaking child's play especially when you you know there's some drama behind the scenes with don mancini and the property rights and things like that don mancini doesn't support it obviously he thinks it's quite a low blow and a stab to his back that they're doing this as he's preparing his television series which by the way they've officially titled chucky Mm -hmm. right uh which is fine with me so he is taking it really personally. And I was listening to him on Mick Garris's podcast where he got pretty vocal about it. And they actually contacted him and asked for his blessing. Like, Hey, will you, uh, will you endorse the movie and we can put Don, you know, as you, an executive producer credit or something like that. And he basically told him to go sit on a pine cone mm. and, and take a hike because he's like, I know what that means. They basically just want my name on there to legitimize their project. You know, they don't want me, they don't really give a shit about my blessing. Right. They just wanted to help legitimize what they're trying to cram down people's throats. And I can't get past the point that they're basically fucking over my livelihood. He said that not verbatim, but he basically said that he's like, they're messing with my life. Like Chucky is my life. And it really is. His whole career has been Chucky. Um, So, but with that said, I hate the fact that we may be on the side of the argument where I don't want to support this, the greedy studio remaking something like this. But at the same time, a lot of people are still going to put money into it because they're going to see it because out of curiosity. Right. And that sets a bad example because a lot of these movies like child's play, they do really well the opening weekend because you have people like me or you that are still going to go see it because we've got to put our stamp on it. Mm-hmm. And usually studios green light a sequel off that debut weekend. Right. You know how yeah. that works, but then it just tanks. Boo. You know, think, uh, think Rob zombie, Halloween, Halloween two, Right. Something like that. I'll tell you, it was a good uh, idea to not show the doll in the trailer because that doll looks like shit. You see it? Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not too hung up on it personally. From what I remember seeing, it was whatever. But like, basically, uh, fucking Scream Factory got the rights to make the doll. Okay. And uh, if you see Scream Factory, did I think so? Yeah. Not Tots or anything like that. Oh yeah, Trigger Tree Studios. They got the same name. It's the same name. Scream. Okay. <laughs> I was like, a, a movie distributor? A movie? Uh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I did. Like, if it's what I've seen, it looks like uh, garbage. I just think it's a good idea not to show the doll for other reasons, right? The original movie was was playing off of the fact of, hey, we don't know if the kid's crazy or not. We're, you know, it's it's hard to go back and think about how that came off to people when it first 
premiered because oh yeah but we saw the doll like we, i mean show the doll at all like in the box uh, him playing with the doll or anything got you. yeah i got you got you that makes sense i wonder if they're gonna remake the big chucky remember the big chucky in that commercial mm-hmm, i'd be dog i still love the original the original movie uh and like i said chucky's become such a part of the fabric of pop culture we forget that Oh, yeah. You know, if you remove all the sequels and you really think about when the first movie came out, nobody knew who Chucky was. Chucky wasn't an identity yet. He wasn't part of pop culture. And it was pretty effective, you know, because they kind of play off the whole thing of, okay, well, as the viewer, is Andy crazy? Like, are the adults right and they really want to commit him? or Because they don't show Chucky come alive until... Somewhere in the second half of the middle of the movie, like in the later middle. Uh, and, and it's really powerful when he first comes alive and it's it's nuts. And now we just kind of associate him with having transgendered doll kids and Tiffany and I don't know. That That's one of those things, too. I don't know if I like the original Child's Play or the first sequel better. Part two. I've always, yeah, it's always been really tough between one and two. And yeah. one and two are tonally similar. But one has that edge because it has that newness, right? It has, Mm -hmm. like I said, Chucky not being a thing yet. And Chucky, it's extra potent when he comes alive at a certain point in the movie. And it's a little scarier. To me, the only bad thing about the first one is uh, they try to explain uh, the you know possession stuff, and they put in the voodoo stuff. It's like oh, we didn't need to fucking just leave it like uh, open ended. We don't need to have it explained. It's kind of cool though for him to have a couple of people to to go back and and kill once he's the doll. I mean, I like the scene where he goes and kills the Candyman looking dude, and I like when he goes back and kills uh, what's his name, Eddie. Uh, fuck, what's his part? Caputo. Eddie Caputo. That's pretty cool. Eddie Caputo. They- that had nothing to do with the voodoo thing though. That was just. Yeah, I know. Well, it, it was two of the same thing. He they could have kept Eddie Caputo and dealt with the. Yeah, he didn't have to pay Candyman looking dude a visit, I guess, and it still would have. I don't know. And he got his bojo, like the uh, his uh, fucking uh, what's it called, voodoo doll. Yeah, that don't make no sense. That that's not real, Chucky. How do you want it? Broken leg? It, it's pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, so there's that. Another news bit I want to talk about is: Did you check it out this week? That there was some backlash over the. I think before they had released a teaser, but now they have the is either the first official trailer or it's the second trailer of Pet Cemetery the remake. It's what I got to the new two minute Pet Cemetery trailer. So let me break this down. People are mad that there are there's one particular spoiler in it. Now everybody, I, when I first saw the first trailer, I didn't know what they're talking about. I'm like, oh well. Let me ask: is is that really a spoiler? Does anybody not know uh, at this point? Like it's a twenty something year old movie and uh, you know year old book. No, no, is that no. even a spoiler? No, no, no. So let me finish. So at first, when I was reading the headlines, I'm like, yeah, I was just like you. I'm saying, well, in the first trailer, the whole movie's spoiled, but we've all seen it. We all know it. And I was even kind of thinking when I saw the first trailer, like, you know, it would suck to be someone that was young and really maybe never had seen the movie and never read the book because this really does give away a lot of stuff. Or maybe it just seems like it's given away a lot because I know the movie so well and I know where each part is placed in the story. So maybe Mm -hmm. it's just my perspective on it. But that's not what they were talking about. In this second trailer, they revealed a spoiler that was specific to this um, adaptation, right? Oh. And they uh, did a reversal, right? So... Oh, yeah, it's the yeah. it's the daughter. Fucking stupid. So they have young Gage, they have the older daughter, and they're making the daughter get hit by the truck. Now, 
See, to me, that's not a spoiler, because uh, I'm pretty sure if we watch the original trailer, it probably shows Gage get hit by a truck, or uh, implies that he gets hit by a truck. Have you seen the trailer? Uh, no, but I, I, I guarantee it does. Well, I mean, because you could easily see the slow motion truck and the shoe flying in the air being a perfect trailer bit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to necessarily... Uh, but it almost looks like they showed it because uh, they're uh, because after that, it, it implies like, oh, there's new stuff that happens uh, that did happen in the book or the movie uh, based on this new change. And it's like, oh, we get a little glimpse of uh, uh, the fucking mob seeing uh, Ellie after she's come back, or it implies that and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, the whole gender thing, that doesn't the swap. It doesn't bug me that they spoiled it necessarily. I mean, if, when I would if I would have saw it in the theaters with fresh eyes i probably would have been pissed i'm glad i know because i think it's stupid it's weak i don't think it's something to shake it up i think it's the studios in this generation they're being pussies because they don't feel like they can kill a kid now that might have even been why they did it no i'm pretty sure so is gage gonna be like the ellie is is he gonna be talking to fucking gage about like uh, death and stuff probably gage is probably gonna be a little bit older they're probably he's not gonna be as young as he was and the daughter, I wouldn't be surprised. How old's the daughter in this? She's probably a few years older than the original girl, right? Uh, maybe give or take a year or two. I bet you that'll be the case. Uh, and I, but I think it's all down to there's a hierarchy. It's a little less um, uh, risque to kill a preteen than it is a toddler or a young <clears throat> kid. And you just kind of go up the chain. I just think it's Hollywood being weak. I don't think it's them trying to be clever with the twist, right? In fact, I think it's that's one of the most powerful things of the original movie that they went there. And it makes you feel because you love the kid, right? He's such a cute little kid. He's like, you know, uh, he's saying cute little things. What is he saying to his daddy right before he gets smashed? Like, hey, go hide, daddy. What is he saying when he's flying the kite? I don't remember. Something like, oh, so. And then they build up to that scene where he's running out of the street and it makes you feel intense. And Judd's like, oh, oh guys, go out of the street, get him. Great. And then he gets smacked. It's like, oh, my gosh. I, I just think they're neutering it a little bit. I'm not saying it's not going to be effective for a preteen girl to get hit by a truck. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that the the, the, the original movie is still going to be the better uh, of the movies. I'm pretty sure it will be. Now, is the same director who did it, is he doing this as well? This is a producer or something. Producing it? Yeah, I mean, like, I still don't like that It movie. Supposedly, there was uh, a French publication that supposedly, I don't know if it's been validated completely, but I guess people are saying it seems legit. There's somebody that saw uh, an unedited cut of the new It movie. You yeah, know? I saw that. It's three hours long, and it's not as good as the first. It's like, oh, I could have just told you that based on both sequels. Yeah, no, well, we could have told you that from the original It, the miniseries, you know, the, the first part's better. Uh, the book, the first part's better. And this one's going to be a lot more drama, you know, I'm sure, just with the adults and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I imagine it's before an edit because the original movie was only like two hours and ten minutes, something like that. And for this one to be three would be suicide. That's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. So, And, yeah, that one per I get it, one person doesn't speak for everybody, but, you know, I don't know. How they see it too? Uh, is it the only people they're showing it to, like uh, insiders? Like, well, why'd they show it to this guy? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? No. I, I mean, well, I you always ask that question. Like, how do albums get leaked? They, they're obviously somebody that works on the inside. Like, what asshole is working on the inside or at a record studio? And there's always that asshole that leaks something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so who knows? It's always somebody on the inside that has it initially. 
We got. We also got a shot of Zelda's nasty ass fucking back in the I, trailer. Didn't they also get Amanda Player in this new one? I don't know. Keeping tradition, they should give Ted Raimi work. But that—that's the creepiest part of the original is Zelda. Yeah. Uh, next up in the news, we've already talked about two movies I don't want to see. We might as well go for a third here. Corey Feldman is announced to be starring in a Friday the Thirteenth uh, fan movie. What? Okay. Is he gonna play uh, fucking Tommy Jarvis? Well, I could kind of peruse here and find out, but basically, uh, there is. It's actually directed by who is it? What is her name? Fuck. Oh, uh, see, Deborah Voorhees. You remember that actress? She played Tina in Friday New Beginning. What? The the best jugs in the series? She's directing it, right? She's directing sort of a meta slasher, and it's called 13 Fanboy, but it's meta, so I don't really know. Yeah, it's obviously going to be weird. It's not going to be like a true thing. Uh, but no, it's not just got uh, the Feldman in it. It's also got D. Wallace. Mm. It's got C.J. Graham from Jason Lives. It's got Tom Matthews from Jason Lives. They already got Tom Matthews to reprise his role as Tommy Jarvis in uh, a fan film. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, Judy Aronson from Final Chapter. Tracy Savage from uh, Part 3. Ron Sloan from A New Beginning. And like I said, Feldman at the top of the bill along with D. Wallace. So... Uh, who knows? It, it could be fun. I don't know how. There's a trailer here, too, you can watch. Uh, you guys can go look for it. I haven't watched the trailer. But basically, the director is saying, uh, 13 fanboy melds the slasher-style kills that Friday is famous for and the heart-pounding thrillers such as Hush and Cape Fear. We will be using all practical effects, no CGI, to honor the 80s slashers. It could be fun. So, we'll cool. see. It's good to see uh, fucking Feldman getting a little bit of work that's not Zombie King. Man, all dude, the poster for this is cringy though. Is this gonna be like a YouTube exclusive? Where is this really gonna premiere? It's if that's supposed to be a glimpse of the mask they're using, because I mean clearly maybe there's rights that are at play here. It looks like the Red Skull from Marvel Comics. It looks really weird. Anyway. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Well, there's that. Um, did you have a news bit you want to talk about? I got one more. Uh scary stories to tell the dark. Oh yeah, Del Toro, Del Toro produced a new movie. It put out a new poster, which I I don't like. Uh, I think they should have uh, recreated the classic fucking book uh, cover. The, the, the tree, the clown. Yeah, yeah, that clown. I saw the cover too, and you know what? It looked like a generic sci-fi movie to me, or it generic. Did. It yeah. looked like a generic yeah. TV movie. Yeah, it's made uh, to look like one of the stories in the book, but it's like, yeah, this this doesn't sell me on this. And they've also put out two eleven-second promos. I didn't see any of those. Based on like random story, two stories. Everything from that cover, though, from the font to the the image, it just looked it looked generic. It looked so basic. It didn't do anything for me. It's a basic bitch. I'm actually uh, like I'm looking forward to checking it out. Hopefully, it doesn't suck because I always love those uh, books. But uh, I'm looking forward to uh, they, they're making a documentary just called Scary Stories, and it's uh, just a documentary about uh, those stories, baby. Yeah, well, while we're on the topic of anthology stories, maybe we could also talk about Are You For The Dark, that whole movie, and that's getting to be revived as a TV series as well. That All I know is the headline. 
we're getting, uh, you know, I was just saying, not, not that long ago, like, what happened to the fucking anthology series, the horror anthologies, baby? And now they're coming back, baby. We're getting, uh, uh, Twilight Zone. Uh, see, I was listening to, uh, you guys' bird box, uh, commentary, and you couldn't remember Twilight Zone, the title. They're like, oh yeah, there's a new, uh, a new horror anthology series getting revived. What is it? I can't, uh, I, I don't remember the title. It's like, oh, it's only the king of, uh, horror anthologies, you <laughs> asshole. Well, you know what? So there was obviously talk about M. Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong rebooting Tales from the Crypt and without the bumpers with the actual Crypt Keeper and all that stuff, just going straight to the story. Why don't they resurrect the whole thing? Would that, I don't ever get excited for reboots, but if they said, hey, we're going to dig up the, the puppet, we're going to bring back John Cassier, mm-hmm. and we're, they could easily legitimize it. If they brought back the Crypt Keeper and, and put on that whole production, I would give it way more attention. Exactly. If there's no Crypt Keeper, what's separating it from anything else? But would that not get you super excited if they brought back the Crypt Keeper in the old set and they just had new stories? With- yeah, that's that's one of the great, uh, the best parts about uh, those horror anthologies is how do they, uh, what's the wrap up? How do they tell these stories? Uh, when it's just like, oh, it just uh, fades from black and the story starts, that's boring. We want yeah. uh, the host character. But even, the, okay, they're reviving Are You Afraid of the Dark, right, to a TV series. They're not going to have the original cast. It's going to be a bunch of new kids. If they even have the campfire bumpers, they might not. They might ditch it. So I can't imagine uh, not. That would be dumb. But if they do that stuff, usually there's something that's different. Uh, but, you know, doing Twilight Zone, they're not going to have Rod Serling. They're going to have some other guy if they have somebody. Have Jordan Peele doing it. Is he actually going to be the host, though? I think so. It shows them, like, all the uh, propos and stuff. Okay. But still, it's different. It's not what you used to know. But that's what's good about a puppet. And John Cassier, he's still alive. He's still doing He's doing the concert. And I'm sure he would come back and provide Would the- they be like, oh, we're, we're redesigning the puppet. We're going to recast his voice. That's stupid. Why? Just, le- just legitimize it. And it, it could actually just kind of gel with the old series. You could literally just uh, say, Hey, it's 20 years later, right? Mm-hmm. They could literally uh, bring it back and call it season nine or wherever it left off. I don't know. That would be pretty cool. And you could still put it on HBO or wherever channel you wanted to. And you can get these big celebrities to do it just like they did. It can be the stars of today. Who cares? I accept that time moves forward, but just, um, I don't know. I, I just don't know why they don't put me in charge is all. Yeah, the, they need to get me in there. I would fix everything. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know what to do. I'm the decider. Tell you what, man. They should also put uh, me in charge of Disney because those guys are looking to revisit Nightmare Before Christmas, which is sounds stupid. It sounds ridiculous. And they don't really know on what they're going to do yet, whether they're going to make a sequel or whether or not they're going to do a live action thing like the trend's been with Lion King coming out and Aladdin coming out with the blue genie Will Smith that looks ridiculous. <laughs> The li- they're live action. Uh, now you get to watch cartoon uh, lions in a real life background setting, but it's still live action, even though it's CG. It is not the whole thing CG? They're using real backgrounds and sets? I don't fucking who knows. I think the whole thing is CG, so it's not live action. It's still a cartoon. It's a different type of cartoon. But so with Nightmare Before Christmas, it's it's a lose-lose for me. If they make a sequel, it's not going to capture the charm of the original, and they're going to use CGI. They're not going to use stop motion, even though I think you were telling me, Zach, that right they could they could do something with CGI to still make it look like stop motion. Stylize it or whatever. Whatever. 
Uh, I I don't I definitely don't want to see him do a live action or whatever. They, however, they think they could pull that off. And if that's the case, live action that means a remake because they would just go the remake route, and I don't want that either. I guess I'd rather have a sequel than a remake if they can get most of the cast back. Now, the guy who played the mayor, Otho and Beetlejuice, he's dead. You can't get him. But, you know, uh, Chris Sarandon's still alive. He's still working. He could play Jack Skellington. Uh, what's her face? Kevin's mom. Why can't I fucking think of her name? Catherine O'Hara. She's still alive. She works. She could play Sally. You could get Paul. You could get all the same t- team back together. And as long as they legitimized it like that, even get Tom Selleck. Uh, not, yeah, Tom's not Tom Selleck. I keep wanting to say fucking Magna P.I. <laughs> the guy who did James the Giant Peach. Very similar name. I don't know why I can't spit it out. Uh, get the same director back. Tim Burton can do his thing and put his name on it and produce it and it can blah, blah, blah. We don't really need him. I'll have to have Johnny Depp play some character with a crazy hair, though. Yeah, they probably put Johnny Depp in it. You're right. But that's driving me absolutely bonkers that I, I, I can't. I keep wanting to say Tom Tom Selleck, and that's that's not his name. But um, I don't like the movie enough to know who you, anything about it. So really, you did. Uh, it was nobody liked it when it came out, as far as theatrically. I've seen it once, and I never had a, the desire to go back to it. Yeah, I, I love it, man. I I got that movie on VHS when it came out. I didn't get to go to theaters a lot back in the day, but. Um, I saw it. Yeah, I got the VHS copy and I, I loved it. And then, of course, high school came around and it had taken on this pop culture entity thing. And all the fat goth chicks had tattoos and were dressing with them and had oversized T-shirts with on. And it got adopted by that culture. And I was getting really played out on it. But I never let it, uh, you know, dampen my my love for the movie. But I think I think it's great. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, uh, do you have any other news bits? The only other thing I had was Halloween and fucking Jason Blum saying, we actually don't have the rights to the sequels. I know we said we were going to do two and three back to back, but I actually can't do anything right now. Uh, No, I don't got anything else. Yeah. By the way, I got to correct myself. I can't want to say Tom Selleck, director Henry Selleck. He's the guy that did James the Giant Peach as well and uh, things like that. But Anyway, yeah, it's so stupid. So he was like, you know, I we want to, I want to make a hundred of them. He said, he's like, I want to make a hundred of them, but for right now, working on the rights, and I'm happy with just doing one, and we'll just kind of work work our way through it. I'm like, I'm damn right, I'm sure he wants to do a hundred of them because he did a hundred of his other movies that are under Blumhouse, and they're gonna mm-hmm. run that shit into the ground, man. We know that. Exactly. I gotta tell you, the more I watch that movie, I have it on Blu-ray. Uh, every, it gets worse with every viewing. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I've watched it once in the theaters, and I was pretty much middle in the road of, on it. But then we watched it for a commentary, and I was like, okay, it's I like it a little bit less. Because now there's, I don't know, now when you take away any little bit of shock value I, I got out of a first viewing, it makes it a little, it's like, what other what's left? Uh, and I watched it one more time on the Blu-ray. I'm like, I was l- bored. I was looking through my phone. I can't stay on this. Uh, maybe you're watching it too much within a small frame. Like, I didn't get the desire to watch it again, ever. Well, I I had already pre-ordered the Blu-ray or the 4K. Imagine like watching uh, fucking part five that many times in a row. Ugh. But no, I I had already pre-ordered the 4K, and it's like, well, I at least want to see the quality of this thing and check mm-hmm. out features and stuff. So I sat and watched it. I'm like, yeah, this is. I mean, yeah, maybe. But dude, there's been movies I've been all about when they first came out, and I saw them in the theaters three times, and I watched them when they came out on home release. So it's not necessarily that, mm-hmm. but. Anyway, that's it for news for now. Remember, we want you guys to submit different uh, topics you'd like us to discuss that's going on in the world of film. 
or whatever you want. It might be personal questions, but just submit them. We'll make sure to get them answered. And like I said, we'll make sure uh, they become more or less a topic of our discussion in general. But stay tuned because now we are going to be getting into the heart of the matter of this podcast and talk about Blade Runner, the final cut. I need your deck. This is a bad one, the worst yet. There was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago. Six replicants, three male, three female. They slaughtered 20... A Blade Runner's job is to hunt down replicants. Manufactured humans you can't tell from the real thing. What's this? Roy Batty. Probably the leader. There was just one outfit making replicants that superhuman. The Terrell Corporation. Commerce is our goal here at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. I was looking for six replicants in a city of 106 million people. You ever see this girl, huh? Never seen a puzzle. What I didn't know was they were looking for me. Time to die. All right, no more bullshitting. Let's talk Ridley Scott's classic to a lot of people in the pop culture mainstream as a whole, Blade Runner. We're talking about the final cut because according to the interwebs, that is sort of the most beloved version. That's what Zach told me, so that's the one I watched. Right? Yeah, there's there's one part of the movie where people uh, like, that should have been there, but I think this is the version most people are like, yeah, this is uh, the way to go. So... Now, I have the 30th anniversary Blu-ray that had all the cuts in there. And Mm -hmm. I have said before, I've watched this movie one time. And it was about 10 years ago. And I couldn't tell you which version it was. I can honestly say I don't remember no fucking unicorn. But... Yeah, see, that's uh, the the big change. And, uh, like the theatrical version had uh, voiceover where he was, uh, which is funny because uh, you think a movie that's like, oh, it's it's like a film noir type of movie, that would work in its favor. But everybody says that's like the worst, especially that in particular. Like, oh, uh, apparently there's a story about how Harrison Ford didn't like it, so he intentionally did it shitty so they wouldn't use it. But uh, yeah, uh, who knows? That, that 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 almost sounds like one of those urban legends, like one of those things. Like, oh yeah, uh, I did that. Those takes really shitty. Uh, I did that on purpose, though. I just didn't want to do it. See, sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to admit that I just uh, I, I'm a shitty actor. Well, you know, on that note, I I've always talked about Harrison Ford in modern day, where he's kind of come back for the paychecks, reprising his roles in, in Star Wars, mm. and and of course the sequel to this movie. And but to me, like that, that's just, that's just another way of saying you're a shitty actor. Like, yeah, I don't like something. I I don't care that I'm getting paid to do a job. I will do it bad on purpose. I agree. But what I'm saying is, I always figured, okay, well, this is him just not giving a shit. 
because he's been really vocal about Star Wars. Like, I just don't. He he always liked doing Indiana Jones, didn't like doing Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well then, old old Harrison Ford must be good Harrison Ford or whatever. But I was watching this movie, and I really don't know. I'm like, is his performance in this really half-assed here as well, or is it the fact that he almost has no dialogue? He really doesn't talk very much in this movie. Rutger Hauer has more lines than anybody. The fucking replicant, the robot, has more lines than anybody in the movie. Yeah, to be uh, Deckard's the least interesting character, and uh, to me, you could have told this story from any other character's perspective, and it probably would have been a better movie. He doesn't talk very much, and it's always mumbled, and it's always monotone, and, you know, I, yeah. I so I don't know, is that just Harrison Ford in general? Because I was never a big Harrison Ford fan, to be honest Maybe. with you. Yeah, should we like give a, a an overview of the plot so that like uh, we we at least lay the groundwork so people could follow what we're talking about? Because uh, once we start nitpicking stuff, it's probably going to be uh, out of sequence and hard to follow. So we should yeah, probably do that. Okay, so I'll kind of give it a go. I might leave out specific details, but uh, as far as like the names of the corporations and blah blah. But basically, yeah. we live in the distant future of 2019, <laughs> November 2019. So it's still in the future, guys. This could all happen in a couple months. Okay, and it's it's a neo noir movie, which I do like it. I like the the setting. That's that's what the movie has going for it. So it's in the mm-hmm. future, 2019, and we now live in a world where basically artificial life is everywhere. It, it's even taken over animals. Right, animals are extinct, and they have artificial owls and artificial creatures. All and then there was this big comp- company kind of like the Whaling Corp and Alien and they have produced these robots or replicants to sort of do the bitch work right they send them to off outside of this world planets to do some kind of bitch work i don't think they ever really detail that too much what they do but basically slave labor is what i got s- slave labor um but Somewhere along the way on those planets or on one of those planets, there was a mutiny, an uprising. And this particular movie chronicles four of them that escaped whatever planet that was. And they make it back to Earth and they dig up Decker, played by Harrison Ford, to find him, hunt him and kill him because he's what they call a Blade Runner. Why they call his kind of officer a Blade Runner? I don't really know how that pertains to replicants, but he doesn't actually kill them. He, quote unquote, retires them, which I think is pretty cool, actually. Um, So. The premise is really, really, really cool. And they're stealing the ship and going to Earth to find their creator because they want to uh, get them to fucking change something about their design. Well, so, and, and honestly, they're going to find their creator, and I don't know if... I might have missed this tidbit. I'm not sure if they if they know from the beginning that they only live for four years, and that's why they're finding the creator. That is why I think, yeah. But I couldn't tell if they knew that from the beginning or if they found that out along the way, right? See, it's set up like as if it's going to be a morality tale. Like, uh, so for, right from the beginning, it, it, it tells you that opening screen crawl, like, oh, it's not killing them, but they're retiring them. So it seems like they're they're setting forth, like, okay, who's the bad guy here? Because uh, okay, these robots are made of slave labor so doesn't that mean they're the humans are being shitty to them yeah yeah and then it's kind of like okay so and then it's described that like oh yeah we uh we we gave them this fail safe to where they only live four years uh, so they have small life expectancies because we don't want them to uh develop human emotions so it's like uh, what does it matter because both times i watched this i was like what does it matter if they develop human emotions like if they get empathy and they don't want to go around killing people is that a good thing 
thing. So it, it kind of makes it look like the, the humans are like, oh, we don't want uh, them to, you know, be sad whenever we, you know, fucking make them do slave labor. Well, so we can't let them do that. Yeah. When in reality, it, it, it was to prevent what eventually inevitably happened and having a mutiny and uprising. So, yeah, so I, I was thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to be this morality tale. And uh, every time I, uh, both times I finished the movie, I feel like they did nothing with that. So it, well, it's not like that. Well, it it kind of was. That was the underlying thing of it, I think. I'm not, I'm yeah. not saying they hit it home for you, but that's exactly what it is. See, the only time I get that is whenever Rucker Howard's character, uh, spoiler alert, at the end, uh, hopefully everybody's seen the movie, but uh, he decides, uh, he, he has a choice where he can let Decker die at one point or save him, and uh, he, he obviously has you know, developed human emotions and decides to save them. And, and uh, yeah, that's the only time it ever gets like that. But mm, 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 No, 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 back up. There, that's not. So... That is the best scene in the movie, right? I'll say that. That it, for this movie, uh, visually, like visually storytelling, it, is great. Like it's really good, especially in that yeah. in that scene where there's the long extended after he picks up Decker and it's raining, and there's a lot of just them looking back at each other, back and forth, back and forth, uh, and just sort of speaking with their faces. And then uh, Rutger Hauer has this monologue and. You know, he's basically saying, what does he say? Like, you know, very soon my memories will be lost like tears and rain, right? What he's doing. And it's it's really cool. And apparently he, that whole thing was uh, improvised, his uh, dialogue. Yeah, it, it was really, really good. But there's another point in the movie. Rutger Hauer is the best character in the movie because, like he said, there's an underlying thing here. At the end of the day, the robot was the most human of them all, right? So mm-hmm. remember when Daryl Hannah's character got killed and he takes a moment. He's really feeling bad he's like touching her and he kissed her and he was really sad that she passed away and he really wanted to save her that's why he went and sought out the one engineer who could get him close to the the leader of the company right um he really wanted to save her you could tell that and then he actually at first i know they were manipulating that uh, engineer the one that wanted to play chess or whatever with the guy yeah blah 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 the, they manipulated him, but you could tell they kind of liked him. And then when he killed the creator right in front of the uh, Sebastian was his name. Did you know who the creator was? The fucking Lloyd, the bartender from The Shining. Oh, it was? He's moving up in the world, baby. He, he got a good job. Okay. So, but he literally, he when he, after he kills him, it doesn't, he doesn't kill him with malintent. He's not being malicious. He genuinely wanted a cure and an answer. And you could tell it was sort of an in the moment I was angry at the father, right? Just like, just like a, a Christian gets mad at God every now and again and throws their fists in the air. And you know, why have you forsaken me? That's what it was. It was a thing of passion. Um, and afterwards, I think a normal cliche villain would have just maliciously killed the, the father and then would have killed Sebastian and everything else too. But no, after he does that, he looks at Sebastian and he literally says, I'm sorry. You know, and you could tell he means it, right? He sighs. Yeah, I, I guess I just didn't pick up on stuff like that because uh, fucking the, uh, Harrison Ford's character is so boring. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think he's just the, the weakest character in the well, movie. And if we spent more time with those characters, I would have noticed shit like that, I guess. So, so he looks at him after he kills the father and he tells him sympathetically, I'm sorry, right? He, he tells him that, but... Later on, uh, Decker is told by, gosh, I don't know, the fat guy that assigned him the job, right? His, his, his superior. Yeah, he told him they, the sheriff from, uh, critters, baby. Yeah. In passing, he tells them they found that engineer dead. So Rutger Howard did kill him, mm-hmm. right? So 
it's like, hey, am I sorry because you had to see that? Or I think he was saying, I'm really sorry that I have to kill you. But regardless, he showed emotion. And I think Decker is kind of supposed to be dry because it is sort of the opposite where, you know, because they kind of played it off. This is a Philip K. Dick adaptation, right? And it's kind of like the Total Recall where they kind of made it with like some ambiguity, right? They wanted to, there was a lot of people debating on whether Decker was a, a replicant the whole time or not. Yeah, that's one of the things in the movie uh, it leaves you with, and uh, that's a, a big reason people hate the final cut, or th- that fucking thing with the unicorn specifically, because it wasn't even supposed to be in the movie, it was a leftover scene from uh, Legend, and he that, uh, put it in there. That's what I was going to assume it was from, because you told me it was from another movie, I'm like, well, he directed fucking Legend, and that's the only movie with the fucking unicorn, right? Yeah, so, so uh, it, it's uh, it, it's basically uh, his way of spelling out like, yeah, uh, Decker's a replicant, and everybody hates that idea. I don't think the replicant thing serves it very well because I think you want it to be opposites. You want the human being to be the robot, essentially. The human being's the one that has emotion, that's willing to, like I said, build these things to make them say, slave labor, yada, yada. Yeah, which is funny because it's almost like Ridley Scott does is just an old man that doesn't understand his own movie stuff. <laughs> because uh, he, he's uh, very in your face. Like, yeah, uh, d- uh, he is a replicate. I, I have decided that. But no, so it doesn't make sense because the final cut is supposedly the one that Ridley Scott fully endorses. But it doesn't make sense because in my research, uh, it was conf- even when the movie was relatively new, it was a big hodgepodge because the writer and Harrison Ford both didn't want Decker to be a robot, right? Yeah. And I think. I think uh, one of the producers wanted it to be ambiguous. And then mm-hmm. it was, what's his face? Fucking the director, Ridley Scott, who wanted him to be, oh, you're right. Replicant, right? Fuck. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're right. My bad. So I was getting it mixed around. So yeah, I mean, I get it with the final cut and the, well, at first when I watched it, I, I was like, okay, that's really confusing. He's all of a sudden having this flash with a unicorn that's really out of left field. But obviously, if you stick around for the rest of the movie and you see the other, you know, Sean Young's character, who is a good character, right? The the replicant who doesn't realize she's a replicant. Yeah, see, the, the story of the movie could have been told from her point of view. And it, again, it would have been a better movie. Well, she's a good character because she had the implanted memories and that's the new model that he was kind of working on. All right, great. And then by the end of it, they have that stupid plot device of the origami. Uh, and where James Albo's character is like making these little origami figures throughout the movie. The origami. Well, and he has the origami uh, unicorn, right? And you kind of see it. Yeah throughout yeah. the movie and then he's he leaves Decker at the end of the movie uh, with the the task of well you got to go take out Sean Young's character because we have that whole subplot where he basically rapes her did he actually <laughs> did he actually uh, yeah it's one of those things that was only cool uh, like yeah now it's like oh yeah they say no that's it but now uh, like back in the day you could uh, kind of try to persuade them in movies and uh, in real life so he he does this thing where he's like, say, uh, what, does, what does he say to her? I don't even remember. So he, he's instructing her, like, uh, say, kiss me. Say, kiss me, right? <laughs> kiss me. And I don't know. I was waiting for him to say, now say, call, say fuck me, daddy. <laughs> but he was instructing her every the way. And she, she looked very uncomfortable. But I have to remember she's a robot. Maybe she just was learning. But the whole scene, mm. maybe it was meant to be 
two-way like that. Like, okay, you can you can look at it for what it is, that this is just a robot who doesn't understand and she's being taught and she's willing, but you can also look at it through society's viewpoint of, hey, this is a guy that's pressuring a woman into fucking rape. I don't know if they actually had sex or if he just... Or another uh, instance of them mistreating robots because... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Ta- whole thing. Taking advantage of, of a robot, uh, cause, which blows me away. She acted like she didn't know what she was doing, but you think the guy that created her would have fucked her a million times over. I don't know. You think anybody that's making a lifelike woman sex robot's going to make her a sex robot? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's usually why we want robots. Uh, yeah, I mean, we give them other functionalities and, and, and other jobs on paper, but we all know we just they're, they have a second obligation, a, a main obligation. But no, no. So, yeah, I think it's that way, too. I think maybe we're looking at it as, hey, the human being is take advantage of something yet again. And they're in this situation less humane. Uh, because, I mean, at this point in the movie, you've seen no emotion from Harrison Ford, but you've seen Sean Young cry. You know, she's had tears. Yeah. She's shown emotion. She was clearly upset when she uh, found out officially by Decker that she was fake. You know, she was trying to she came to his apartment trying to prove to him that, hey, I am real. Here's a picture of me and my mom. So d- that was that was something that confused me. Does the creator want them to be harder to tell from like uh, humans? I, I don't know. Is it for the sake of them, too? I is, Yeah, it's, for, it's to give them implants and memories is it for the sake of the robots to not know and have a happier existence but they're only going to live four years still yeah. or or was or is the new model going to have a, a longer life expectancy because he explained to rutger howard that well there's nothing we can do about you you know once we implant such and such but that he didn't necessarily speak for the later models i don't know i was confusing mm-hmm. but maybe he just wanted her to give a convincing orgasm when he fucked her Maybe. I don't know. But my thing is, too, is if they were to carry that out long term, then he already said that you got the implants from the creator's niece. Right. All her little fake memories and stuff like that. So, I mean, were all these replicants going to run around with the same fucking memories or are they going to get one person for each replicant? You know, or do they have any ambitions of, of it really going past that model? Because. I guess they, they imply that the only replicants on Earth in this movie were the four that escaped from that one planet and Sean Young, who was the direct like assistant to the, the leader. But he got the order to kill her, too, at the end. Like I said, he, he pushed her into a corner. Fucking, uh, I, don't, it, I don't know if he actually had sex with her or if he just kissed her, if that's where they left it. I don't really know. But I guess he had feelings for her because he came back for her after he was ordered to kill her. But then... Which is a little weird because uh, I see that criticism, too. Ford uh, falls in love with Young's character. Why? Because they have no chemistry on screen. And apparently that was a... Uh, they hated each other making this movie. And that might be a big reason why. I, I hear a lot of people that like... But it works because she's supposed to be a robot. But then he's ordered to take her out, too, and he goes and looks for her, and, uh, you know, he almost succeeds, but then one of the other replicants that was really the bad one intervenes, and she gets away, but then she ends up taking the gun that almost killed her and saving Decker's life, right? Mm -hmm. And at this point, he owes her one, and they go back to, I think, his place, and I think that's where the kissing happens, right? Maybe that's the sequence of events. I'm not sure. But... She essentially asks him, hey, look, so if I disappear and I go up north or whatever, are you going to come hunt me down? He tells her no because she, she he now owes her one. So he has a little bit of compassion there. But he says that doesn't mean other people aren't going to go after you. So, But then he comes back. He's given the orders after Rutger Hauer dies. He's given orders to take her out by Edward James Olmos, right? And Edward James Olmos leaves him with this line that comes back at the very, very end. What does he say? Um, it's too bad. 
what does he say? It's too bad she's not going to live, you know? Uh, I don't. I thought it was a, a Rucker Howard line that played at the end. Or am I wrong? No, uh, no, no, no. So after Rutger Howard died, uh, he Edward James almost came back, came back, and he was he was basically at the scene. I think, and he, he I think he got the orders to kill Sean Young now mm. to to go find her. He had promised her he wouldn't, and he says, "quote It's too bad she won't live." But then again, who does? Right? He just summed up the thematics of the movie in one line. Great. Then. Instead of of taking out the orders, he goes back to where she's staying, which I assume is still his apartment, I guess. And she's sleeping, right? And he basically tells her to get up. And I guess they're implying that they're going to run away together, Mm -hmm. I I guess. And as they're walking out of the hall, he sees the fucking uh, origami thing, the origami uh, unicorn. And then he plays the memory back in his head. That uh, he had just heard of that that quote, right? You know, who really mm-hmm. lives, who really dies, and then that's where they leave it off. And I think that's where people get confused because, okay, great, he sees this origami, and was was that memory he had of the unicorn earlier just an implanted memory, right? Because it's just uh, yeah, that's the only thing I can imagine it ever being because uh, unicorns aren't real. So it has it, like when I first saw this, I was like, oh, he's a replicant. They ha- that has to be an implanted memory if he saw a unicorn. But I didn't. I wasn't sure. Uh, yeah, I didn't want. This is the first. The first time I watched this was this cut. But that's that's what it has to be. So if he made that cut, that this cut really does imply that he's he's a replicant. Yeah, exactly. See, that's the thing. Like, uh, you asked uh, the guy that wrote the original story was interviewed on it. He's like, uh, "Did you? Was it ever intended that Decker might be a replicant?" He's like, "No, it never, ever." And uh, yeah, so this is just something that uh, really Scott decided. Uh, he, there's a really funny quote about like him kind of justifying why he decided to make it, put this cut out with this scene in it and stuff. Uh, maybe I'll find it, send it to you after. It's pretty funny. Well, clearly it's not going to be canon because in the new Blade Runner 2049, I think is what it is, Decker's still alive. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because Decker's still alive, but it never made sense before because Decker had this job for years, uh, presumably. It just doesn't make sense whenever you apply any fucking thinking to it. Well, I don't know why he thought it was a good idea. Well, I mean... How do we know he had that job? Decker thinks he has that job. Oh, it could have, yeah, it could have been implanted. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. I never. I guess if the fucking uh, his bosses were in on it too. So I'll give a little bit of pass there, but in 2049, the sequel, he's fucking old as shit. He's lived past four years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, clearly. And so they they obviously went with the original idea that Decker's a human, but. We still haven't seen the sequel, by the way. I haven't. Maybe there's some twist there that I don't get. Maybe he found the cure to it or something. He found the cure. Uh, but Ridley Scott, let's assume there is no cure and he's just a human. Ridley Scott gave the sequel full endorsement. He loved it. Mm. And I, I don't know if he was a producer on it or whatever. He didn't. He, he was. He was something. Yeah. So maybe he just flip-flops like a motherfucker. I don't know. But yeah. he, I tell you what, people, I don't think it was a hit. I think it uh, financially was a lot like the original where it didn't do so well, but people love the movie. Critically, it was, it was a favorite of that year and I still haven't seen it, but uh, it's a shame mm-hmm. that he couldn't have put his name on that because he, he chose, he literally chose to do Alien over that movie, right? Yeah. And Alien Covenant uh, was not so good. Now, yeah. I'm wondering if, cause I don't know, I don't think Ridley Scott's, 
if if he directed the same script that the other guy did, I I, I haven't I just have to believe that it still would have been as good because really Scott he can direct a movie. I think it's when he starts having all this crazy control over everything. Maybe these days. Yeah, uh, I, I remember when uh, fucking what was the what was the one before Prometheus? People were shitting on that. And I I thought. I was defending it a bit. I thought it, I don't. I don't hate it. I don't. I like Prometheus. Actually, it's a fucking mess. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but I I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like where they were going with it. And I was really excited about the world that they were going to build and that they, you know, insinuated with the ending. But they aborted it. They aborted mm-hmm. the whole thing. And I I don't know. And it, even up to the even down to the wire, he was still he still had that plan. But you know, then you had uh, what's his face. Uh, Blomkamp, Neil Blomkamp coming out saying, hey, I want to make a legit alien movie with the Xenomorphs. And that was gaining a lot of steam with Fox's support, too. And then it became, well, we can have both. You know, well, you know, he, really Scott can have his Prometheus universe exploring that whole side of the story. And then we can carry on what fans really love. And I think he got a little intimidated by that because they put the kibosh on that quick. And you could tell, you could tell Ridley Scott made some sort of deal with the studios. Like, okay, we'll call my movie alien and I'll incorporate to Xenomorph. If you just get that other fucking guy to bug off. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what it seemed like. And it just changed everything dramatically. And it's like, okay, great. So now we had Prometheus and this movie should have been just called covenant. Right. Yeah. But now it's all fucked up. You had Prometheus, then it's like Alien Covenant, and the next one would have been like Alien after like, like what the f- Okay, so this wasn't a spin-off. It's just they almost had a good thing going, and I really liked the I liked the character. Well, I didn't actually. That was the part I didn't like about Prometheus is I hated all the supporting characters. But I like Naomi Rapis or whatever her name is, the actress. I thought she was cool from uh the first Prometheus. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. But I didn't like anybody else in the movie. I liked Fastbender, and I liked her. She's the only one I remember. Yeah, well, I liked Fastbender, but I didn't like all the supporting players. But she was good. She was a much better heroine than the chick they got for Covenant. I don't even remember that. See, I saw that more recently, and I don't remember. No, 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 no. So the fact that they started Covenant with, yeah, I killed her. She's dead. She died between the last movie. Like, all right, great. Is this Alien 3 all over again? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you just kill off Newt and Michael Bean. It's it's kind of fucked up. It literally was them pulling an Alien Three, which may, which upsets me because I don't. It's dumb. Uh, but speaking of that, though, I think James Cameron said he wants to revisit Alien. He wants to somehow. I think he's wants to somehow support the notion of Neil Blomkamp's Alien going forward. Which at this point, I'm down for. Yeah. I always liked his ideas about it. It was great. I'm kind of getting sick and tired of all these retcons Hollywood's doing. But I guess if that's that's better than them rebooting it, and that's better than them continuing to kill the franchise with really shitty sequels, so I guess I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like his idea. I like the idea of giving Michael Bean work and Sigourney Weaver and... Uh, the Weaves. The Weaves. And uh, you know what? Neil Blomkamp alone, his name already has credit because the sci-fi movies he's done are pretty good. I've, at least I've seen two of the three, and they're, the two I've seen are good. Uh, and um, And not to mention, if you get James Cameron as a producer backing that... That's got some weight to me. That's a lot. That's a lot more weight to me than James Cameron putting his producer name on the new Terminator, but getting Tim Miller to direct that. I'm like, ah, that's not nearly as cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Tim Miller hasn't proven himself to be a sci-fi guy, right? He did Deadpool. Like, ah, I'm not really that excited. But like yeah. I said, Neil Blomkamp with uh, Cameron's producer that that works for me totally. Um, but yeah, the movie in general. How did I feel about it? Because like I said, I watched a version 10 years ago and I was quite underwhelmed 
How do I like it now? Uh, me too, back when I watched it. Yeah. Now, I don't recall, you said the last, the, the old version had, the theatrical version had a uh, narrator, right? Narration talking? Throughout the whole movie, yeah. Doesn't that, but it's, it seems like that would work. I didn't, I don't remember what I this, guess, yeah, it seems like it would work because it's supposed to be a noir. That's like a staple, right? But apparently it was so bad, like the way he was doing it and shit, and, uh, and apparently it was a way for the the studio wanted him to add that as a way to like, oh yeah, kind of explain what's happening throughout the movie because we think uh, the audience won't get it. Um, I There's certain little parts where I don't think it would have hurt to do a little explanation at something. Right. Uh, but I just, you can tell the movie was made for that narration because it's so bleak and quiet. Again, the movie's bleak in general. It's super bleak. But there's just a lot of there's a lot of non-dialogue. There's no dialogue anywhere. It's very quiet the whole movie, which you could say kind of works. I mean, I didn't mind it being so quiet and dreary. It was whatever. Uh, I think I've read that there were some criticisms with the pacing. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know how I feel about it. I it was a slow movie, but I didn't think it was disjointed, if that makes sense. It was a consistent there had had a consistency to it. But I wonder if you had that narration if it would have helped it a little bit because it's just a lot of slowness and not even talking or i yeah there's a there's a couple uh, yeah the slow seeds uh you remember the scene where uh he uh goes and meets the uh the stripper yeah yeah and that's the re- one of the replicants he has to kill yeah that scene could have been completely removed for the movie and we would have lost nothing well he had to kill her uh, they could have just changed it from uh, how many got out to like oh two of them got out oh yeah, you know, yeah. or three of them got out because the the fucking uh, the one guy at the beginning yeah the one guy at the beginning I guess he plays a part but at the end of the day the two most important are Rutger Hauer and Daryl Hannah right they're the two big ones but yeah that, that scene uh, the, the did you that voice he does that did you get the feeling he was doing that because he wanted that scene to get cut out yeah that weird accent he was trying to yeah why was he doing that she doesn't know who he is he could just be himself she would. No. That was awkward. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. I think he should have just kind of kept playing it the way he was playing it the whole movie. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I don't know. I, I, I guess right now I have to take people's word for it that the, the narration was bad. But uh, without having seen it or remembering what it was like. Uh, the one part I saw of the narration was fucking terrible. It was uh, at the end of the movie after uh, Rucker Howard gives his uh, whole uh, speech. He pops on and it basically <laughs> explains what the meaning of the speech was it's like oh oh god that that's as bad as the uh the psychotherapist explaining the whole plot of psycho at the end right yeah uh, to me that it works in that movie though because uh, i don't know that was the first time yeah that was the first time but that's but people weren't like fucking stupid in 1960 it's not like people were i get it no one ever had seen a movie like that with a twist like that but i think yeah i think back then they wanted uh people to just walk out knowing exactly what instead of you walk out because imagine if it just ended right after Norbert comes out they they shoot him or whatever uh, and then it just ends. So that would be like, people would be like, huh? Scratching but, their head a bit. No, no. Well, you could have still had him there and in lo- lockup and stuff like that and had a little bit of a dialogue. But I think it would have been way more effective if they didn't have that guy come in and explain everything. And then you would have had people walking out of the theater be like, that's what happened, right? Yeah, he was dressing as much. I, it would have. Yeah, it would have. Had a, it would have been it, probably better to edit that one. It would have spawned a lot more dialogue, and and it, I, I think it was pretty clear on what uh, happened in Psycho. And uh, mm-hmm. to me, if there's anything cut out of that movie, it's that. That's that's it, though. It was old audiences. You got to fucking. You got to hold their hand. They're too stupid. Yeah. Well, that's why. But anyway, back to this movie. I I just don't know. Like I said, I 
let me put it this way. I guess if it's terrible, I don't want it in there. But if we could somehow magically have good narration in it, I could see how it would fit great in parts of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd be interested to see it. But as a whole, like I said, how do I feel about this movie now? Watching it uh, the way I did 10 years later. Tastes change. You get older. Do I like it better than I remember it? I guess I do, right? Because I found a lot of little things I do like about it, but... Yeah, I think I'm uh, roughly about the same about it. Yeah. If I do like it a little bit better, it's just a bit. And I think it it's mostly like uh, just by, oh, uh, the same thing happened with, uh, like I made it a point to, uh, I'm going to watch all of uh, Stanley Kubrick's movies I haven't seen this year. And I watched, uh, uh, what is it, Barry Lyndon. And uh, I, I, I watched it, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's technically good. Uh, all the stuff I'm enjoying about it is stuff like, oh, yeah, the, uh, all the candlelit scenes were natural, naturally lit. There was no artificial lighting, and he had to get, like, a, a NASA lens to, to, get, to pick up the, the low light. And, uh, but there was just something, like, uh, technically everything, the acting and everything was good, uh, filmmaking and everything. But there was just something, the story was missing something that, I could latch on to be like, yeah, I like that. So because like the time period just wasn't doing anything for me and all this stuff. This is kind of similar where it's like, I don't know the, the future setting is, it's probably one of the better ones on film, but it doesn't do much for me. And I can't explain why I can. I mean, I, I, I get it. So I'm this, I'm actually in the same boat as you. Now, the reason why I say, I guess I like it better uh, than I did technically is because I'm a little older now. I, I can honestly say I didn't remember any. I didn't remember any of the underlying tones in the movie. I didn't quite get the concept. At least now I get the concepts that they were going for, which, I mean. And apparently this time watching it, I I had an idea of what I wanted the concept to be and didn't think they hit it, but apparently they did. I just didn't notice it because they didn't do it the way I wanted them to. By default, I guess, since I understand it better, I have to like it a little bit better. But no, it's it still leaves so much to be desired because – I hate it because there's so much untapped potential here because on paper, if you, if you throw that story at me and you give me a pitch, it sounds awesome. It sounds great. The story's great. I love the neo-noir feel. I like the dystopian future feel. I like the character. I like the story. I like Decker as a character on paper, right? I'm not saying he was, he, they, they nailed it in the writing, but on paper, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't hate Rutger Hauer. I actually liked his character quite a bit, but, it's it's once again it's something that could have been every aspect of it could have been amazing but those but they ended up just kind of being kind of in the middle somewhere they weren't as great as they could have been and at the end of the day i do give it props because i like all the things that inspired much better right because this movie inspired uh it inspired things like fucking uh, what's that snatcher right hideo kojima yeah and it inspired Mm -hmm. that and, it's- and I, I think uh, a lot of it has to do with hype because this movie, I think like anybody that didn't watch it, you know, earlier, hears all that hype and watches it. And it's like, it just, it makes it harder to live up to it. Well, like I said, it's just to prove that the concept and what they were going for is so good is like I said, you need not look any further than the things that ripped it off lovingly. Like we said, Hideo Kojima has done it. In Snatcher, even in bits and places, even in the Metal Gear series, I'd say, uh, you have, uh, Mega Man X. The whole story of Mega Man X is this movie, right? Yeah, apparently there's a Blade Runner PC game that people really like too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm familiar with that as well. But yeah, you're familiar with the Mega Man X story, right? 
Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. same thing. You know, Rutger Hauer, it's a little different because Sigma doesn't show any compassion, but you know, uh, you have the, what do they, what do they call them? The fucking, what's the res- resistance called in that game? The Mavericks, right? You yeah. have the Mavericks. It's the same thing. There was a mutiny. They were, they were designed to do fucking grunt work and labor and they rose up and they, you had a leader of the whole bunch and they decided to take over. And it's, it's basically a very, very similar concept. And I, I've never heard it reference Blade Runner, but you know, it did take it from Blade Runner. Uh, mm-hmm. so I respect wholeheartedly what it did, but at the same time, should I be giving credit to the movie or should I be giving credit to Philip K. Dick's original story? Right. Yeah. So, uh, I guess that's the thing that bugs me the most is it's, the kind of movie that's right up my alley. It's my genre. I love it. I do. I, I want to really like this movie, but both times I was just underwhelmed. Yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't either. I don't hate the movie. I don't. I don't love the movie. I. I don't know what I feel about the movie. I don't hate it. I think it's fine. I think it's. It's a movie I can easily. I could easily watch it again if somebody really wanted to watch it. I'm like, yeah, I'll sit down and watch it again. I'll, I'll try and yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love to watch it with somebody that really loves it and like listen to them talk about yeah. it passionately. And I, you know, I, I like doing that. And I'd love to watch uh, it again or maybe a different version. Just maybe pick apart different things I didn't catch before, uh, because like I said, it's a movie I can easily mention. I can mention almost as just many things that are good about it. I could, I could talk goodly about you know. There's things I can talk goodly about it. Goodly is not a word. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a good word, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna beat it up. Like I said, I like the themes. I like the tone. I like what they're going for. It, it, visually, storytelling, it's great. It's fun to look at. Um, I get it. The pacing was a little. I, I'm used to slower. Aliens a slow movie, right? So I'm kind of used to a certain pace. So it didn't bother me too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I it surprised me because I didn't remember it so well. And I kind of thought there was going to be a little bit more action than there was. And it kind of took a different turn. It wasn't, the, it wasn't quite the movie I thought it was going to be. Um, but like I said, there's definitely good things to say about it as well. So I'm not just knocking on it. What'd you think of the, uh, the last act? The last act. I noticed this both times I watched it. Uh, what'd you think of it? Um, I, I don't know. What's your take on it? Where are you going with it? I, f- I find it really dull. Really, really dull? Because by that time, I I just... Both times, by that time, I decided Decker is just so... Fu- like, I, I can't do anything with this character. And so by that time, I'm just like, okay, uh, hurry up. <laughs> and end already. I get it. What I don't understand is they give Decker no backstory. Now... If they were all on the same page saying, hey, we want to leave it ambiguous because he's a replicant, that would make sense why we'd have no backstory. But if the writer himself says, no, he was written as a human, why did he have zero backstory? I see all the way the fucking uh, point of the movie works is if he's a human and they're a robot. I mean, think about it because he gets sought out. He's at a diner or like a food shop or something and the cops come and arrest him and he meets with that, that, that fucking fat guy from Critters. And he basically, mm-hmm. we don't really get any intel. What if he was never even really a Blade Runner? That's all part of the memory that they, he was just created right that day that he sat there, that, uh, read that paper. Look, he tells him, he tells him, hey, you got to go do this stuff. It's kind of the pull him out of retirement thing, right? And he doesn't mm-hmm. want to do it. He doesn't do that anymore. And he just kind of threatens him. We don't really know where it comes from. He's like, all right, you twisted my arm. He doesn't really, there's no meat behind that threat. We don't know what it really means, but there's something there. We don't know why he actually took the job like what did he have on him i don't know mm-hmm. but he clearly he didn't give a fuck because if he really had something really good on him he had no stakes for wanting to do this job there's there's nothing like well i don't know why mm-hmm. he was he was like asleep the whole movie 
But but to be fair, man, I watched I watched the trailer of the new movie and he looks just as asleep in that too. He does. It's just become a joke that that's kind of how he acts in every movie. But they bring him back for he's just they prop him up and he's like half dead or something. So would this be a stupid question to even propose and ask? But this movie or Alien? Uh, Alien. Yeah, Aliens quite a bit better. But what about a rating though? What do you out of ten? My highest would be like two and a half out of oh out of ten. It'd be like a five out of ten. Like my highest is that it's middle of the road. And if if I'm not being really fucking uh, you know uh, nice with my rating, it would be you know just under five, like four. Okay, so I think I'll be a little nicer than you are. Uh, I do think it's fairly middle of the road, but just for uh, the legacy and what it's inspired and the things that. It it looks too beautiful. Like it, it's got. It does. It's really pretty. It's got too many things going for it. I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. That's what I would give. It. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it just a nudge above that because, like I said, I still want to like it. And it's weird because, unlike a movie that I've given middle of the road scores to in the past, like the the it the it remake and all that shit, I never want to watch those movies again. This movie, I can see myself watching it again in the future. Like there's there's a there's yeah. still a curiosity. I still want to. I want to dig into it more and I want to like it more. So I can't say that about movie, the other movies that I would give a five. I don't know. Cause to me, forgettable, that's five, five is middle of the road. I, I, I don't ever have to watch this again. It was just kind of meh. I can't quite say that about this it, in ways. It is, like I said, lackluster, but there's something there. I'm not, I don't regret owning a copy of it. I'll go back and watch it again. So I don't know. I'll say a six out of 10 for now. Hopefully it changes, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, my my fucking ratings on movies are always changing. Like, I, I'll rewatch the movie I watched a long time ago, and uh, what the fuck was I thinking? This is great. Stuff like that happens all the time. Who knows? I might be the guy that likes the director's cut. I need maybe I need to watch the other cuts too. It's like which. I, remember, I'm rating the final cut. Mm-hmm. I, you know, which one is the definitive cut? I might like because there's fuck. I think there's the direct. There's the theatrical cut. I think there's the. Uh, director's cut for North America. I think there's another director's cut that was like European. There's two different cuts because this this collection has like four or five different cuts, and then there's the final cut. I was the only version I could find, and that's the uh, the version everybody says is uh, the. They say everybody says there's no perfect cut of this movie, uh, but this is the one. Like, I guess uh, he kind of did like a George Lucas on this one, where he erased since it was uh, came out on Blu-ray or whatever. He erased like uh, like for the flying cars, there was like some some wires visible. He erased stuff like that, and, like the the matting, like mm. when there's like a picture to picture thing. He got rid of that stuff and then added that fucking uh, unicorn. That stuff drives me crazy, man. The George Lucas thing because I. I want you to retain what dates the movie to when it came out personally. That's me. So that, you know, side note before we end this and wrap this up, you know, who else pulled a George Lucas recently? Terminator two, when they put it back in theaters, James Cameron, when they put it in theaters last year, right? Oh yeah. What'd he do to it? Okay. So they remastered the whole thing, obviously, and put it out in 3d and they were, they were touting it and showing you screenshots side by side. And it looks fucking gorgeous right like the colors pop and they this wasn't just a a a half-ass job they really put money into it and and i bought the 4k and i have the 4k and i watched it not that long ago and it looks breathtaking right so all the Mm -hmm. all the regular scenes you know have you seen this boy oh it's a good looking boy all those stupid scenes looks fantastic dude it looks like a movie that came out today it really does like they blows me away but 
he added little things in the effects that I can tell. Like, hmm. Mm. So, for example, T2 for me is amazingly notorious for all the shitty uh, stunt double shots that you can see. Oh, yeah. Dude, he CGI'd faces on all the stunt doubles. Like, I love mm. that part where uh, Arnold uh, has the motorcycle and he picks John off his bike and puts him on his. And there's the part where he's like, you know, driving after the explosion or whatever. And you see clear as day. Dude, he CGI'd Arnold's face. I used to look forward to seeing the the, the Arnold imposter clear as day. And he took those out. And he's like, oh, man, that's... Dude, like, uh, but there's a part of me that can understand why somebody would want to do that for a movie. But at the same time, like, it's it's art. Like, uh, imagine if uh, fucking uh, the Mona Lisa, fucking, uh, he just shows up one day. He's like, yeah, there's this thing I don't like. Let me, let me fix that. We wouldn't let him do that. Well, yeah, so I get it. His, I think his argument would be... Well, back then, if I would have had the technology, I would have done this because we don't want to show the double, right? And in those shots, it's impossible not to show the double. If you want to execute the shot the way he wanted to, like you got to have it in slow motion, Arnold coming off of that explosion, jumping off the bridge or whatever. There's no way to avoid the dead on face, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and to be fair, they got a double that looked a lot like him in that scene. It was pretty good. It was fine, but it was obviously obvious you should have uh, shot from a side profile shot fucking camera but and then but then there's the scene where he's pulling john connor off the bike man that was always my favorite because he was kind of a less in shape arnold guy i loved it um and yeah that movie i don't know what it is but that movie did a particularly not so good job at the the double for as well as they did every other area you can see a lot of doubles in that movie but i never noticed oh you're crazy but uh i get it they would have avoided that if they could have back then. And if they had the technology, they would have used it. But that still doesn't work for me. It's like, yeah, but that was the date. That was the period it came in. You know, it's like, that's like saying, hey, we're going to re-release Creature from the Black Lagoon. And I'm going to CGI a, a creature in there instead of that guy in the fucking costume. Because my, yeah. my great-grandfather would have wanted it that way back then. Like, But that's not the way it was back then. Mm-hmm. So I love seeing those little bitty tidbits. Another thing, do you know what else they uh, George Lucas out? What? Robert Patrick's cock. It shows his dick at that movie? Dude, you never noticed his dick? Okay, they show Arnold's dick in the first one. Remember, it's like swaying back and forth? Oh, okay. Do you remember that in the first movie, at least? Yeah. Okay, his dick's just swinging back like a fucking anaconda. It's a monster. Anyway, so they do it again in, in T-1000 when he at first appears, when he kills the cop, and, you know, when he bends down and takes the gun and, and loads it, or, you know, cocks it or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then he turns his head. You see his fucking dick and balls hanging underneath his leg, clear as the sun. <laughs> and I don't know. I I could never fucking miss it. I don't know. Now you'll never not see it. Trust me, if you're watching an old version of it. But and me and my brother were watching it, and we're like, because we noticed this stuff before the movie. Like, man, there's there's some doctored shit in here. Like you could tell he cleaned it up. And uh, he was like, I wonder if they're gonna take out the dick. <laughs> because because James Cameron was vocal about that. There's in old interviews where he said, uh, if you watch the commentary for the uh, previous releases of T2, and and James Cameron mentions during that scene that he hates that that dick, right? No, because he says I wanted to get my money back because we hired these people to digitally remove his penis, and oh. Oh, fucking the movie comes out and the fucking dick is right there on a fucking fifty foot screen. <laughs> it's like they didn't they didn't take it out. Why didn't they just uh, push him back so it didn't get filmed? Yeah, I know. That's pretty fucking stupid, right? Maybe <laughs> I think he's to blame too. But he was upset. They, he's like, And so that I guess that I'm assuming that's his justification why they took it out because he originally wanted it to be out. But still, leave the fuck-ups in. 
right? Yeah. And I never, I never found the dick to be offensive. I never noticed. But I'm saying, even if you did notice, uh, well, apparently uh, it, his dick was off screen without Robert Patrick's consent too. That's kind of a. Oh yeah. <laughs> he thought they were going to not show it in the final well, movie. No, exactly. Too. He was probably like, "Well, fuck." He's probably in the opening of the movie, like, "Oh shit." He's like, oh, it looks so much fucking bigger on this big screen, though. But I think it's more about just what he wanted to show in a commercial movie that he wanted to be his big blockbuster. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's not offensive. It's not. It's it, it's it's cast in enough shadow, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just it's real. I mean, he's a naked Terminator. Is there is a dick really that offensive? Hey, but you could uh, you could say uh, would they even put a dick on a Terminator? They can't reproduce, or can they? I, no, they can't. <laughs> but still, they have dicks because Arnold had one too. Yeah, what was his yeah. excuse in the first movie? Because he he shot this dead on Arnold walking towards the camera with his dick swinging. See, I don't even know if I ever noticed his dick in that movie too. I might have always tried to see it, but it's shadowed out. Dude, that's another victim of the HD, dude. So, yeah. you know, when they shot it, they strategically made it shadowy in that area, right? So it is a little... T- I might be... Who knows? If I go back and watch a VHS right now, I might not notice it at all. Like, holy shit, I never noticed it on VHS. Maybe, I can't remember if I finally noticed it on DVD or not. Maybe it was DVD. But you watch that motherfucker on on a Blu-ray, dude, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you see HD cock. HD cock. So it's just one of those things where time alters stuff. But I say preserve it. That's my thing. Uh, I Hashtag save the cock. Preserve the cock too. Preserve the cock. I don't know. I know that sounds weird. I'm just not offended by a dick. It's just kind of. I mean, I, it's fine. It's whatever. The movie's still good. It just always leaves a weird taste in my mouth that they changed it. Like dick always leaves a weird taste in your mouth. It does. No, but it's the same. It's like when they remaster an album, right? Yeah. And they they make it louder though. They make it louder. Well, actually, remastering is not the worst thing. It's when they remix an album that's the worst. So yeah. when they remix an album. That's like no. This is sometimes remixes are good. If but yeah, yeah. or like Ozzy Osbourne when he he had a bunch of legal trouble with the his original drummer and bassist for Blizzard of Oz and Dire of the Madman, Dire of the Madman about uh, fifteen fifteen years ago or so, and so he re released the first two albums, but he re recorded the drum parts and the bass parts with his then solo band members. He re put out the album with Randy Rose and his tracks. Mm. But he redubbed the bass and drums with new guys. That's weird. Just because you didn't want to like pay royalties to the old guys. Yeah, something like that. And so it's got Rob Trujillo on bass, and it's got Mike Borden of Faith No More on drums. And it does it sound bad? No, it doesn't sound bad, but it sounds fucking weird. It does not sound like the original album because they mm-hmm. they didn't master it. It sounds like it sounds like a modern new bass track and drum track against this retro nineteen eighty fucking. <laughs> This is guitar and vocal track. It just sounds not yeah. real. So that's what it reminds me of. So preserve it. Anyway, mm-hmm. I think that's all we got. Uh, so that was the debut episode of this, Cinema Enema. Uh, so going forward, hopefully you guys will... Obviously, you guys couldn't do it for this one because this is the debut episode. But going forward, we'll, we'll ask for your feedback. Uh, obviously, on topics as well. I mean, we won't just kind of leave this in our court. You guys can pitch in ideas for that. Uh, so I'll go ahead and tell what the movie I pick is for the next episode. So sure. We're, we're, we're trying to do these like at least once a month. So I, I picked uh, fucking Happiness. Uh, let me look up when that came out so I know they can get the right one. No, for sure. So for Happiness, if that's going to be the next episode... 
you guys already know to put your thinking caps on and start thinking about questions about that film or topics you want us to discuss or happiness from 1998. Okay. Directed by Todd Salons. Doesn't even have to be uh, a comment about the film or a question about the film. If there's anything else you want us to talk at the top of the hour, we'll do that as well. So start thinking about that stuff. And of course, as usual, make sure you guys are following all of our podcasts, all of our shows. Not sure if you guys are on YouTube, but if you are, we're there. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel, hitting the notification bell, sharing it with all of your kin, right? Uh, and... Also, follow the direct links that are found there in the descriptions to take you to the podcast service of your choice. We're everywhere. Um, and that way you can find either the Revival feed and subscribe to that where it's going to have all of our shows, whether it's this Cinema Enema or it's the BTM podcast commentaries, Mac and Zach Save the World, Deep End with myself, the brand new Hard to Kill podcast, uh, which is starring Josh James of R-Rated Horror and a couple of friends in tow. So... We got a lot of stuff. Or you could go and uh, subscribe to them individually. You might not like all of them because they're all a bit different. So, But that's what's beautiful. Spice of life and variety, as they say. Um, that's I think that's really all we got. Is there anything else you want to end this uh, debut with? Anything? Um, that's all I got, baby. All right. Hopefully uh, my, my throat doesn't hurt them, uh, for the next episode. All right. Well, you guys have been beautiful. We've been Aaron and Zach. Bye-bye, puppets. Catch you next time. Um.